Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Zandra Pollard. It's Where I Am. Today, my guests are Nikita Dove and Dr. Sanda Morar of the Oncology Institute in Henderson. So thank you both for being here today. You're welcome. We're thank gonna, you. Thank you. And we're going to just jump right in. It is Cancer Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we wanted to bring some information to you all so that you know uh, how you can take care of yourself, do some preventive measures, what to do, how to do if you are diagnosed with breast cancer and the such. So I invited Nikita here because she is a breast cancer survivor. And I'd like for you to start by telling us your story. What happened when you first said, oh, I think I better make an appointment to see the doctor because something doesn't seem right. My daughter's a massage therapist, and uh, she would massage me, and in my uh, right arm, it would be pretty stiff and a little sore, which was not a normal thing for me. And I kept telling her that, Mommy's really tight up in there. Why am I so tight? So she says, maybe you should have it looked at. And so I thought I was okay, and I went to Africa. And when I went to Africa, I was there for a month, but I was moving around. I, I was in apartments and in hotels, and, and I went from three suitcases to nine suitcases. And so I thought that maybe the suitcases were starting to make me feel even more sore. So I I started uh, pressing on my breasts. And when I started pressing, I started feeling these little knots. And as the uh, week went on, the knots started as if they collagulated into each other because they got larger. So I asked my daughter, I said, "Uh, can you feel that? She says, yeah, mommy, I think you need to go and have that looked at. And again, I said, oh, it's probably just the suitcases. You know, we're lifting How all the suitcases. How far were you into your trip um, when you noticed the, the, the lumps or the uh, uh, nodules? I think I had probably about three days left. Okay, so you were pretty much on your way back home. Yes. Okay, and so then you get home, and then what happens? Did you call the doctor right away, or what was the process? Well, then? that was my intention to do. But when I got home, you know, I started looking at my mail because I was gone a month. And in the mail, I had a, a letter for my mammogram, which was going to be like a week later. So okay. I said, well, I'll just keep that appointment and I'll go then. Okay. So you had a mammogram coming up. Yes. Okay. So you go to your mammogram and then what happens? She says in the mammogram, it showed some abnormality in your breast. So we're going to do a, an ultrasound. And, I, and the ultrasound is something that I guess picks up a little bit more mm-hmm. than what the Uh, mammogram does. So I was like, okay. But I got a little nervous because I'm like, I went back to thinking about what I was feeling. And I'm like, well, that's probably all of that stuff I was feeling earlier. So when she came back in, she says, there is something there. We're not sure what it is. And it seemed to be something small. So we were going to take a biopsy. And in the biopsy, it will tell us more about what's going on. Was this all in the same day? It was all in the same day. Okay. So that had to be Kind of frightening. That it was very frightening. Yeah. And were you there alone? No, my husband usually goes with me, but uh, he was in the other room. Okay. Yeah. So they were just taking you from room to room. Right. And so what were you feeling? Uh, I just kept going back into that feeling of like uh, in the early of the month, I was feeling tight. And I had told my daughter that uh, mommy's tight there when I'm normally not. But you weren't thinking like, oh, crap, this might be something serious. Uh, after I did the mammogram, I I knew it was something serious. So, Dr. Morar, uh, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, so a lot of ladies are out there getting, you know, their mammograms done for the year. 
Is it typical that you should get your uh, mammogram every year? Is it different if you're older? And what, what is it for men? What should men do? The mammogram remains the standard screening tool that is recommended by American Cancer Society, the National Comprehensive uh, Cancer Data, and picks the abnormalities in the breast one to two years earlier before any masses can be felt, palpated in the breast or under the arm or in the axilla. So mammogram, yes, um, as recommended sta- as standard of care, it's um, described it's once a year and should start at age of 40. There are some stipulations that after age of 55, uh, if everything had been okay, you can just continue to be evaluated every two years. But in the main sites, as the NCCN guidelines remain once a year follow-up. Ultrasound, uh, it is used when suspicious lesions, which appears on the mammograms like microcalcifications, little in duration, little thickening can appear for better view. And the results of mammogram guide the next step. Male breast cancer, we jump to a different category. It is rare as, for example, the in 2019, per 100,000 women, uh, they were diagnosed about 260,000 breast cancers uh, in females and 2,600 in male. The male breast cancer evaluation and treatment kind of follow the female um, pathway of diagnosis and treatment. They had not been studies because they have, it's, it's rare. It's more aggressive in male. The mammograms in male, it's not established as a way of um, evaluation. The point of interest is if, if a lump a male feels in the breast area needs to be evaluated and removed. So men need to do that breast check as well. Yes, the breast check is a very important step for both male and female, but male, this is what they have to go for. Okay, well, you know, Dr. Marar has been in this business for over 30 years, is that correct? Yes. Yes, and you look great. You look great. I would have no idea that you have been doing this for so long. Thank you for what you do, and please tell uh, our viewers and listeners where you are located. I am um, representing the Oncology Institute of Hope and Innovation. It is based in California, South California, with offices there, about uh, 55 oncologists in that area. Uh, that's the hub, we okay. call it, of our practice. South California with Whittier and San Bernardino. I'm not very familiar with the with South California. We have um, Nevada satellite and then Arizona satellite with five offices and in Nevada, three offices. In Nevada, we have office uh, one office in uh, North Las Vegas across Mountain View Hospital on uh, Cheyenne and Tenaya Way. Then in Spring Valley, right by Spring Valley Hospital on Rainbow and Hacienda. And in Henderson, um, which is right by St. Rose Dominican in Del Webb Medical Plaza in the, on the Eastern Avenue. Okay, so you're practicing in California and in Nevada. Not me. Not you, but the... I am, yes, my, my, my practice route is in California. Dr. Agagenian it's the founder of the practice, and his wife, uh, Hilda Agagenian are the founders of the practice, and it's growing rapidly with good uh, representation of good oncology care. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Okay, well, so now let's get into the types of cancer. First, I'll ask you, Nikita, what type of cancer um, did they find? It was a hormonal cancer. And doctor, how many different types of breast cancer are there? So breast cancer can start in the ducts and of uh, the ducts of the lobules of the breast. So we have ductal carcinoma and lobular carcinoma. Invasive ductal carcinoma, that means ductal cancer, it's about 85% of the cases, the most common type of breast cancer. And then we have the lobular invasive carcinoma, so about 15, 15% of breast cancers. The same type of treatment, some anatomic characteristics, ducts and lobules in the breast, and some features as lobular carcinoma has a tendency to be bilateral, one presenting in one breast, you suspect that might be in the other breast that you haven't checked or you haven't noticed and could be multifocal. Well, that's a lot. You know, I, the, first time, the first time I went and got my mammogram, I was pretty excited just because I'd never done it before and it was my first time. And there's so much advocacy for, you know, getting your, your yearly mammogram. And so my older cousins... They would call me and say, hey, girl, you know, you're 40. It's time to get your mammogram. Mm -hmm. And so when I went down there, I went. I was a little nervous just because it was the first time. And then I got a letter in the mail and it said it had a name. And I don't know what that name is. And I'm sure that, you know, but it said that it just meant that my breasts were dense. Yes. And from that, I felt highly complimented. Yes. <laughs> I felt highly complimented. But it meant that I needed to, uh, what does it mean when, it's, when they're, yes. they're more dense? So dense breast, it's not very common. It's, of course, in younger, younger patients. That's why the mammogram starts at age 40, yet you can find dense breast at age 55 and up. And it's... Um, little tricky as can hide the lesions. So the mammogram alone might not be enough. Mostly if you find some atypical, some, some abnormalities in the first mammogram that you wonder, even the biopsy that you completed to be safe, it's benign, so non-cancerous. You need to consider in dense breast, younger patient, another form of surveillance that is the MRI of the breast, magnetic resonance imaging of the breast. So dense breast is a condition that you need to um, attentively follow in spite of not having any form of cancer. So, but what I find when I'm thinking back on your story, Nikita, mm -hmm. and you said that you were getting your mammograms every year. Yes. And nothing was detected until right before. Well, no, when I, when I had it done on, when I had a mammogram on my left side, because she said my breasts were large and indensed. That, um, oh, yours they, were dense too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you actually got that. <laughs> anyway, so she said, uh, we wanted to go a little farther. And that was the imaging that you were talking about. And they found, um, I guess, a nodule or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they removed my nipple and took it out. But, but it was benign. But that was a couple of years before I actually had the breast cancer on this side. So, so when I did get that call again, I was just, before I got the call, I was like, oh, it's probably going to be that, like that one and be benign. Okay. But it wasn't. So take us back to when you found out that you indeed had breast cancer and then it was time for treatment. What was that phone call like? She said I would get the call between three and five days. So after the third day, I got really um, 
nervous. But then I started looking at it and I said, maybe the longer it is, meaning it's nothing. And um, my daughter and I were in the kitchen and the call came. And she says, I'm so sorry that um, I have to say that the uh, uh, results came back as cancer. And I sat there for a minute and I said, oh, okay. Okay, okay, I can handle that. But I really couldn't. But that was just the first thing that came to my mind. The second thing came to my mind is my children, because I didn't know how I would present that to them. And then, you know, when you hear cancer, you're like, well, am I going to survive? I don't know much about it, but I've heard from other people, you know, there's certain types like the doctor said, but I wasn't sure which type I had yet. And I know that my girlfriend who had triple negative was not a good one. So I was worried if I had that. Then I was worried about what would I tell my children and how would I tell them without them getting upset or whatever. And then I thought about, well, I need to tell my husband too. And he wasn't there for the whole day. Oh, wow. So I held it. And um, because my daughter was in the kitchen with me, she uh, consoled me and was like, Mama, you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's so sorry to hear about your experience, um, but you survived. Yes, I did. You survived. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story with us. But I, I also wanted to ask you both about support groups. Were you involved with the support group, Nikita? I, um, I looked for some, but I, I really didn't uh, find what I was uh, interested in. So I started researching myself. So I started interviewing women that had breast cancer, that had their breast removed like me. What were their procedures? How did they deal with it? What did it feel like having someone to talk about it with and what if they felt that they didn't need it? With me interviewing the women, I got up to like 15 women. And in those 15 women, it gave me so much information that I wish I had at the beginning of my cancer because it would have made me able to go that road, which would have been a better su- suggestion because I had that information as opposed to reacting because I'm a- afraid. Right. I don't, I don't want to say the word die, but if I were to prevent from dying, what would I do? Or even with the um, after effect, you know, when they do the cosmetic look, when I lost my breast, it was not a nice look to me. So I'm like, well, what is my husband going to think? Is he going to still love me the same? And so I needed to hear that from other women. What did your husband feel like when you lost your breast? What was he like to you? What are your children going to think when they see you undressed? And you no longer have that look. So with me listening to the other women and talk, it made it better for me. So you had a good uh, family and friends support. Yes, I did. But what about those, Dr. Moore, who don't, who internalize things more, who are not able to share and need to find a resource to help them? Yes, the main resource, the main site that you need to access is American Cancer Society. Um, Not good representation of established support group in Las Vegas area I learned for the past two years that I'm here. The support group, uh, you'll be, the the patient will be advised through the American Cancer Society for different links that are more virtual than in in presence, um, unfortunately. I feel that I owe you um, more details as she was throwing in triple negative and hormonal positive. So we understand from Nikita that she has a breast cancer that was fed by the estrogen 
production in her body. This is called estrogen receptor positive, progesterone receptor positive. It's one of the nicest uh, breast cancer, Mm -hmm. if we can put nice and breast cancer (laughs) together. Yes, Mm -hmm. mostly that another receptor, HER2, it's negative, which I understood from Nikita with prior conversation that is the case. The immediate treatment after the biopsy establishes a diagnosis is surgery, which is lumpectomy, which is a part means a part of the breast is removed. That is followed by radiation to consolidate the local treatment or mastectomy. And if the tumor is less than two inches or an inch and three quarters, no need for radiation is needed. At the time of surgery for mastectomy, reconstruction can be initiated at that time with expanders placed under the skin to stretch the skin for implants to come in later, or you can have implants uh, reconstruction completed six months later. Gene testing on the breast tissue that had been removed, that is cancer, disclosed the benefit of chemotherapy or hormonal therapy alone or in combination. Nowadays, not everybody needs chemotherapy for breast cancer. Nikita didn't. Right. <laughs> she is taking uh, hormonal treatment, endocrine treatment. That means she's blocking the production of the estrogen in her yes. body. And the genetic test disclosed the benefit of five years versus 10 years of one pill a day to control the cancer recurrence. For, uh, she mentioned triple negative, other types of breast cancer, depending on the cell of the breast cancer evaluation, are uh, breast cancer that, that they don't, uh, the cell that does not represent any receptor through the analysis. No estrogen receptor, no progesterone receptor, not HER2. This is the triple negative, more aggressive. Or estrogen receptor positive, but HER2 positive, which will be determined for another type of treatment. No chemotherapy, immunotherapy, biological therapy nowadays. Treatment that will extend to one year together with the pill that will block the estrogen blocker. So the pathologic analysis... The time when you meet with the oncologist after surgery is done, it's crucial because based on the pathology report, evaluate the size of the tumor, the lymph nodes presence, positive of cancer or not, and the characteristic of these uh, receptors of the breast cancer cell that will dictate, based on the national guidelines of treatment, the best treatment for the specific patient. So the treatment, it's quite individualized. Yes, I'm sure. And so I was hearing that you were talking to uh, quite a few friends who had gone through this process. Friends and uh, referrals. And, but every situation is different. Yes. Right? Yes. So everyone's story is different, but there's always something you can pull from someone else's story to help strengthen yourself, right? Yes. Um, so, and what I've heard from you, Dr. Morar, is there is not a support group out here in Vegas that you refer to sites. And so I want to let my listeners know if you'd like to start a support group or if you know of a support group, please go to my website. It's where I am.com. Let us know uh, where people can find support groups for breast cancer or any type of support group, because this program is designed to feed and give you the information so that you are knowledgeable and know how to move forward in your own life. And we all have shared experiences. You are not alone. 
So please go to the website, itswhereiam.com, and any information that will be helpful in regards to breast cancer or any type of support group, please leave those comments there. I just want to add that um, Las Vegas area is developing a nurse navigator program. Okay. Mountain View has a strong nurse navigator program. Sunrise Hospital, so HCA system that I am aware with that I, and I work closer. And the support group can be created as such with a nurse nurse navigator being like the mm, the follow up of the symptoms. Sure. The, 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 the pulling Nikita into survivorship. Survivorship describes support group. What do you do after? Right. Like what What are you going to do with your life? What is going to happen five years later? We have to be mindful of bone health. Taking this estrogen blocker treatment, one in four uh, patients will develop muscle aches, joint aches. We can switch the pills around. No problem there. But 10%, one in 10 women taking this type of medications will have a thinning of the bone. So we need to do a bone density test, a DEXA scan, once a year to see if the bones are going to be thinning out. It's thinning out at age 35 and up for any of us ladies. Yes. (laughs) I think I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) It's very easy to treat. It's vitamin D, calcium, and then um, a pill a month or an infusion every six months or an infusion every year. You probably heard about Reclast or Prolia or Fosamax. That's the pill. So it's more to the patient. The treatment and the follow-up from the oncologist standpoint doesn't end. I'm done with the treatment, goodbye. You see the patient once a month. You see the patient every two months, every three months, physical exam. And then it's bone health, cardiac health. Okay. And bone marrow health as the count's health. So you, it's it's cancer patient, breast cancer patient is a complex patient. You see the patient as a whole individual. So you are going to have hot flushes. You are going to have dryness. <laughs> <laughs> so there are lots of things to, to, to take care of once you are in remission. And you have to follow up any evidence of recurrent disease. So Can I say something? Of course. Oh, sure. That's funny you said that because when I was having all of those symptoms, <laughs> I was like, no, who am I going to tell? I feel like that. <laughs> The oncologist. <laughs> you tell everything well, the oncologist. I, I wasn't sure if it was blended in with that because yes. like the dryness, it was like, no, why am yeah. I feeling like this? I didn't I didn't associate that with We can fix it. Yeah. We can fix it. <laughs> okay. We can make everybody happy. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. So Nikita, uh, did you want to tell us about uh, what you're doing now that you are in remission? Well, I started a journey um, with my cancer because, like I said, I, I had so many questions. And I have an oncologist, but um, there are sometimes some things you're not sure if you're comfortable to tell your doctor about it, but you can tell your girlfriend. Yeah. Or you can um, say it to somebody that maybe gone through it and they understand it, but then you have to find them. So what I've started doing is I've started interviewing women, and I'm going to compose that into a book. Of all mm. the things and questions you want to know about cancer. Very nice. I thought because my oncologist is like 26 and I'm in my 60s. I was like, she, she can't really feel that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. we know. We see okay. enough. We see enough patients every day that we feel that we have all the cancers that we're taking care of. So, so if yeah. you feel more comfortable telling your girlfriend or your husband, 
you still got to transfer that information to your oncologist because that yes. is the person who is going to be able to help you. Right. If you feel good in the moment and you need that sense of relief by telling a girlfriend, that's great. But yeah. please give that information over to your oncologist. Just write it down and push the push the paper towards I, I have a good rapport with my oncologist. But in the <laughs> beginning, I, I wasn't sure how to approach it because, like I said, she was so much younger than me. Yeah. And, I, and my girlfriends are that have gone through cancer. Sure. I felt more comfortable talking with them. Sure. But I still do talk to my oncologist. <laughs> Very yeah. nice. But that's important. I thank yeah. you for sharing that because, you know, everyone isn't so open right. to talk to anyone. Sometimes exactly. we don't even have a friend yeah. that we want to confide in about our personal situations. And so that's why um, we're doing the show. This is why It's Where I Am brings this information to you. I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in to 91.5. Jazz and more. And just a little reminder go to itswhereiam.com. You can go to itswhereiam.com. You can see this show. You can see previous shows. And that will take you straight to the YouTube channel. And so you would need to subscribe there as well. We want everyone to be informed. We want people to comment because our listeners are hearing what we're saying. People are watching and people are listening. And whether they do that today or tomorrow, that information is out there for you. And we want to be a source of information for you out there. So, again, I want to thank my guests for being here today. Thank you. Nikita Dove and Dr. Morar. You can find Nikita if anyone else wants to be interviewed <laughs> or find out about that book. Uh, she is at Kitty Dove on Instagram. That's at K-I-T-T-I-E-D-O-V-E. That's me. And this is Andre Pollard. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you the second Saturday of next month, I believe is November 14th. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>